This recording is brought to you by Whitworth University. To hear additional programs, please visit www.whitworth.edu backslash podcast. Amen. I feel better. All right. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to be honest the whole time. So, and if I start walking around, I'm getting more honest. So if you get scared of honest, this is when you should start to leave. God bless you. Bienvenidos. Okay. Sí, bienvenidos, mi gente. So, so yo aprendiendo a hablar español, necesito mucho práctica. So practice with me, okay? Yo necesito ayuda. So let's pray together, my brothers and sisters. Lord God, for the people of God who are gathered here, from every tribe and every nation, we're grateful. It is a foretaste of heaven on earth, and we're thankful. We're thankful, Lord God, that the beauty of who you are cannot be contained in one culture, one nationality, one expression of male or female. We need the full expression, the full breath of the people of God to see an image of you reflected in this earth. So as we prayed, we sincerely mean thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and we pray that you would reflect yourself through us, that as we show up in our diversity and in our differences, that would be like the prism of a, 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 of a diamond that causes us to see the beauty and the multifaceted nature of our God. Lord God, would you speak to us? Would you cause us to hear what you have to say to the church? We want to give you now our undivided attention as we hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. So, Lord, thank you in advance that where two or three are gathered in your presence, there you are in the very midst of them, and we welcome you, and we thank you for inviting us into this very holy place of communion with you, and we declare it so in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Would you please direct your attention to the screens as we look at this notion of for such a time as this. And tonight, I want to look at Esther chapter 2, and uh, I want to begin the process of each evening unpacking a bit of this story from the book of Esther. And so tonight we'll hear from Esther chapter 2, and this is what it says. Now there was a Jew in the citadel of Susa whose name was Mordecai, son of Jair, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjaminite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with King Jeconiah of Judah, whom King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had carried away. Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his cousin, for she had neither father nor mother. The girl was fair and beautiful, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai adopted her as his own daughter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to begin our time together by asking you to think about a question. Where do leaders come from? Are leaders born or are leaders made? Now, my guess is that many of us have heard the phrase, he or she is a born leader. Maybe somebody said that about you. Maybe when you were small and young and rambunctious, somebody said, that boy's going to be a preacher. They just said, you got a preacher's head. Or maybe you were a young girl and you just had this kind of uh, take charge attitude. And some people called it bossy, but somebody else said, that girl's a leader. I see it all over. So... There's a debate that rages about whether or not a person is born a leader and is just plain in their DNA, 
or if it's not really your nature necessarily, but it's what you're nurtured to learn to do. So there really is a lot of debate out there about where leadership comes from and how it's developed in a person's life. So as I began thinking about this, I thought to myself, hmm, I think there are some people, my daughter would be an example, who just seems to be innately kind of leadership material. And I wrestled with that because my husband, who is not as talkative as I am or uh, his personality is different. Now, he's a professor and uh, quite a brilliant man, but he's not the guy that you're going to see in the front. He's not the person who's going to take the microphone and be the first one to talk. And the problem with believing that people can be born a leader is that people who don't have those characteristics that we're looking at can disqualify themselves. They might say, well, I'm just not bossy like that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not talkative like that. Somebody else might say, I really am more of an internal processor, so I must not be a leader. I might not, I might not be that, that person that you're going to see who really kind of exerts myself from the front. I'm more of a behind-the-scenes person. And so the problem becomes with this notion that people are born leaders that some people can say, well, then let them lead. If they're the leader, well, then let them lead. Since she seems to want to talk or since he seems to be the one who likes to assert his ideas, well, then we'll just let that happen. And the problem with that is even in the church, we get this 80-20 thing going on. Amen? Uh-huh. This 80-20 thing where 80% of the folks watch the 20% who they think are leaders do it. And that's a problem for the church. Amen. Now, other people say, we got to stop that. We've got to stop that thinking of pointing out people and saying, he's the leader, she's the leader. I bet that person is destined to lead because it could be that there's some unlikely leaders in our midst who could be nurtured into leadership, that they could go to leadership development classes. We could have discipleship seminars and we could help them lead. Amen. We could do some things to help people become more adept at leadership. So it doesn't have to be that you have the characteristics or the personality type or whatever we've been judging leadership by. We can nurture that in you and you can come alongside uh, various people's uh, gifts and skills. You can read and you can learn to be a leader. So which is it? Is it nature or is it nurture? Now, my guess about most things is that it's a combination of a lot of stuff, but I started reading about leadership because I want to know how to develop the next generation of leaders for the church. We got ourselves a problem, I think, and that problem is that we have some young people who are checking out on church. Somebody ought to say amen. And let me tell you, I like amens. They help me preach better. So I believe that church is not a spectator sport, really. I believe that if you get better, I get better. Amen. So whenever you just needed to get an amen out, if you're a preacher and you wish somebody had give, given you one, give me one and I'll give you one back. Amen. All right. So this is that night. That's that night. So I started reading on leadership development and I wanted to see it from a Christian perspective. And there's a person who writes on leadership from a Christian perspective and he's extensive in what he's written. His name is Dr. John Maxwell. John Maxwell wrote a book called 
the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. Irrefutable. Now, for those of us who hear words like irrefutable, everything in me wants to refute, refute something. That's that leadership gene. <laughs> and so I've met John Maxwell. He's become a friend, and I'm grateful. Um, but I, I wanted to see what were these 21 laws because he had reduced this debate around nature and nurture to 21 things that he thought literally defined leadership from a Christian perspective. And as I read, I was stopped cold by law number 19. Law 19 was the law of timing. Timing. He said... It's not necessarily your nature. It's not that you're just good at it. And it's not necessarily that you had the chance to get to the last leadership seminar that you wanted to go to. You didn't read all the books and you haven't finished all the courses. But there are things that can, amen, there are things that can happen in your sphere of influence, in your community, in your nation, in your church. There can be things happening in the world around you that whether you want to lead or not, it pushes you into leadership. It's kind of ready or not, here you come, leadership. Yeah, yeah, you find yourself at the front of the line when you thought that you had time to still nurture whatever it is you were hoping to nurture so that you would feel more confident in your leadership. But the law of timing, says Maxwell, is the law that makes unlikely leaders become leaders whether they want to or not. He said that is what happened, and he began going through history, and he began talking about various people in history who would not have have been elected, for example, president under normal circumstances. Now he's talking about Jimmy Carter in this case. He said, he said Jimmy Carter was a, a peanut fa farmer from Plains, Georgia. Now, under normal circumstances, Jimmy Carter might not have been what we would have thought as a presidential guy. He was a church guy. We would have liked him for pastor. Amen. <laughs> but not necessarily president. But the law of timing was on his side. Right before Jimmy Carter, do you remember who was president? Nixon. And what happened? Watergate. Yes. And what did Watergate do to the collective psyche of our country about politicians? It caused us to have a general massive sense of distrust for politicians because we saw something happen that we had never seen before. We'd seen the person held as the pinnacle of leadership leave in disgrace because of being caught as a liar and doing illegal activity. It shocked our moral conscience and we were through, and we desperately wanted something else. The time was right for someone who was not a politician's politician. We were looking for somebody who was honest. Amen. 
We were looking for somebody who was the exact opposite. And in comes he and his sweet little wife from Plains, Georgia. That's the law of timing, my friends. Martin Luther King Jr., we believe that he was a civil rights leader, and he was, but it's not what he wanted to be. Martin Luther King Jr. got a Ph.D. in theology and philosophy because he wanted to be a pastor. He wanted to be a philosopher. He wanted to write. He was a person of the mind. He was an intelligentsia. He was an intellectual. And so he had a newborn baby, one daughter at that time, Yolanda, a wife who was waiting for him to come back home, but something was happening in the country around him. In the country was this burgeoning movement that was starting to get energy among young people, college students, be careful when you work with them, amen. <laughs> they have a way, they have a way. And, and so this thing began to grow and the media began getting wind of it and they wanted somebody who could explain it and, and, and clarify it and, and give language to it. What is it? And, and so Dr. King and, and some of his colleagues, pastoral friends were meeting in the back room of a, of a church, from what I understand, and they were debating as to who should speak to the media. And they were saying, you should go talk to them, Martin. You understand the conceptual and the philosophical underpinnings of this. You're articulate. You're the person who has the, 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 the wherewithal to, to, to make this clear to, to the culture around us. You should go out there and talk to them. And I wasn't in that meeting, but in my sanctified imagination, I think Dr. King said, who, me? I need to go back to my church. I got a pastor. I didn't ask my people for an extended leave of absence. I'm a new pastor at this church. I need to establish myself with my own congregation. I can't do this. I've got a baby at home. My wife expects me back. I can't do that. I didn't sign up for this. I want to write books. It's not like I don't want to do good things. I plan to do good things, but my whole intention was to do it this way, not that way. But after the argument kept going on and on, eventually they won. And he goes out and he talks to the media explaining this movement that we now call the civil rights movement. And the rest is history, is it not? That is the law of timing. That's where unlikely leaders come from. It's not that they had it in their nature, and it wasn't that they had enough time to be nurtured. They found themselves coming face to face with the law of timing, and ready or not, they were called to come forth. Such is the case with the woman in our text. I take it back. She's not a woman. She's a teenage girl. Her real name is Hadassah. Hadassah. Hadassah is what they used to call when I was a girl a PYT, a pretty young thing. <laughs> that used to be really cool. I'm telling you, when Michael Jackson was out, he was so cool. 
and PYT was hot. Hadassah was just cute. She was a cute girl. And my guess is that somebody in her neighborhood had already noticed that she was cute. She was, you know, between 13, 16 years old. And when you're pretty, probably a fella's probably got his eye on her already. And he probably winking and she might be winking back. And, and I could understand why. Because Hadassah has had a life that most of us would not have picked her out of a crowd and said, now that's a leader. She wouldn't have been one of the likely ones that we'd say, now that's a born leader. And there's lots of reasons why she would not have been the likely choice. First of all, Hadassah is being raised in a single parent family. Her uncle Mordecai has adopted her as his own daughter. So she has lost her parents at some young age, sometime before 13 years old, Hadassah's mom and dad have died. Now, I don't know if you've had the loss of a parent yet in your lives. My guess is that there are those of us who have lost our parents and we know what that feels like. And I'm telling you, I was 30-some years old when my mother died, and I'm here to tell you, you can be young or old. The loss of a parent hits you in a way that's hard to describe. She's had this tragedy at a very young age. She's orphaned. And because I read the Bible in such a way that I ask, ask God, help me to feel that. Help me to really enter in that. Help this not just to be a, a story to me. What must it feel like at 13, 14, 15 to have your parents both taken away from you? My guess is that it causes issues in your life. Amen. Somebody say issues. You see, we don't think that folks who have issues ought to get to be a leader. And, 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 and many times, amen, and many times we disqualify ourselves because we all have issues. My baby got issues. Amen. She, she, she got issues. She's got the kind of stuff that would make her question if she should lead anybody. She's lost both of her parents and the kinds of issues that that can raise are attachment issues. Any psychologist in the house. But it's hard to bond to people when the people who were the rock of your, your existence, the people who were there when you opened your eyes from the first time, when that's not there anymore, it's hard to keep attaching and believing that the people who say they'll never leave you won't go so it's hard to bond sometimes I'm talking about issues sometimes when you've lost at a very a tragic way and in a very deep way it can cause you to go into a sense of depression why me why 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 God where is God God do you love me I don't know if you've ever had the kind of thing that has sucker punched you in such a way that it makes you even question the God you know Issues, trust issues. People who say you can trust me when you've had the, the floor pulled out from uh, the rug pulled out from under you, it's hard to keep trusting. I don't know exactly what she's going through, but I'm here to tell you life for Hadassah has not been no crystal stare. She's hurt. And so maybe she's winking at him and he's winking at her because she would just like to have a normal life. She's not thinking about leadership. She's not looking to lead anybody. She'd be happy with normal. Can I get a witness? Every now and then, you don't want great. You'll take normal. Amen. Just give me normal for a little while. 
right? Just give me normal. A picket fence, a house, I'll get married, he likes me, I like him. Lord, if you just do this, given how much drama I have already had to endure, I would do just fine with a normal life. So she's lost her parents, but her uncle Mordecai has come in. But even that raises issues because she's now being raised in a single parent family. And if the truth be told, church folk don't always like single parent families. Amen. I'm just saying. <laughs> we have a certain pedigree that we think real leaders ought to come from. Mm -hmm. They go to school certain places, they go to church certain places, they talk certain places, and their family looks a certain way. I remember when I would bring a boy home, my mother would say, tell me about his family. And if the family didn't sound right, even if I tried to convince my mother that he was a wonderful young man, no, I know the family. <laughs> I feel like preaching all of a sudden. Amen. No, I know the family. I know the family. And so what kind of family? Don't you think somebody is wondering, well, where's her aunt? Why did the uncle have to adopt her? She's a little girl. Wouldn't it make more sense that auntie is helping her to learn how to braid her hair and how to be a little girl? The Bible doesn't say but you see, some people don't come from the right family. And some people haven't gone to the right school. And some folk ain't in the right church. Amen. And some folks don't speak the quote unquote right language. The people that we think are leaders, that we have decided now that's a leader, I'll follow her or I'll follow him. God is trying to say to us out of the book of Esther, be careful who you have determined as leadership material because who you count out, I don't. Now in the black church right now, we'd be nuts. Do you hear me? <laughs> Somebody would have said something because we know what it feels like to be counted out for folks to determine that you'll never be the one who gets to church. You'll never be the one who'll get on session. You'll never be the one who leads the presbytery. You'll never be the one who gets that degree. You'll never be the one. And God says, Hadassah is a woman for you to look at, for you to understand, identify with her. Because I'm trying to tell you that I use unlikely leaders. I work with people who have been hurt. And I come alongside folks for whom the story has not been pristine. And I don't mind coming into the lives of people who have had to suffer through a divorce, who had to have their eyes, uh, had to have tears rolling down their faces. I don't mind dealing with folks who have wrestled with depression. God says you can have drama in your life, and I still don't count you out. Feel like preaching. That's why I love the story about Hadassah, because I believe it's a story of an unlikely leader. I believe that what God is saying is that if you didn't come from the best family, that's okay. I can still use you. If you didn't grow up in the most uh, uh, affluent or, 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 or uh, uh, educated context, if you haven't had a chance to do all of the education that you've aspired to, God says, do you understand that I use people 
who other people don't see or recognize potential in them. And then God would say, and not only do not other people not recognize it in them, sometimes you don't recognize it in yourself. I don't believe Hadassah was walking around thinking, I think I'll do something great. <laughs> I'm not sure she wanted that. And so I'm beginning to understand some things about this story. She and her uncle are in exile, and they are in a place where I think at some point they're even wondering, God, how did you let it happen? How did you let us be in a place of exile? How are we supposed to make a life here? How am I supposed to dream about changing things here? I might have dreamed about it a long time ago, but there's been way too much water under the bridge now. And I'm not dreaming anymore. I'm not hoping anymore. I'm not looking for anything special anymore. Just give us normal. And so I don't know, my brothers and sisters, who I'm talking to tonight. But some people count themselves out because they're too old. And they feel like that's for young people. That's not for me. And I hear God saying, do not count yourself out. There are some people who think that they are counted out because they're too young and they feel like, well, I've not had enough experience. I've not done enough. I've not seen enough. And God would say, don't you count yourself out. I use unlikely leaders. I have a room filled, says God, with unlikely leaders. There are some women who are here right now and you've never thought of yourself as a leader. And there's somebody who's struggling with the whole notion of empty nesting and you feel like, if I'm not doing this for my kids, then who am I? God says, you're an unlikely leader. God says, don't count yourself out. Don't count me out because there are things that I want to do even through you. So don't disqualify yourself. Don't disqualify yourself from leadership because we're living in a time that I believe that's very much like the times that I've described. Prior to this, the time of Hadassah, the time of Martin Luther King Jr., the time of Jimmy Carter, where the time around us seems to be calling forth something. It, it, it seems like we're living in a time frame where where something is, is happening, where, 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 where we're being pushed to the edges of something, whether we want to or not. Ah, it looks like the church is giving it a nudge in the back. Don't you think, Hadassah? Something's happening and making us ah, have to decide who are we going to be for such a time as this. Will we be pew warmers or will we be the unlikely leaders that nobody saw coming? I just wonder what God is doing with the church. So my brothers and my sisters, as we think about this story of this woman, this young girl who finds herself in exile, who has no intentions whatsoever of being a leader, remember tonight that God is in the, in the practice of using unlikely leaders. And you might have come to this conference just because you needed a getaway, but could it be that your life is about to intersect with the law of timing? Thank you. Thank you.